Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters Podcast from GP Strategies. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts, exploring best practices and innovative insights to help you and your organization improve performance. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My guests today are Dan Miller, Senior Vice President at GP Strategies, and Craig Stokes, a learning architect with GP Strategies. Dan, Craig, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. So with the end of the pandemic, hopefully in sight, now is a good time to think about what we've learned about the skills that employees need in a world that's complex and unfortunately, as we know all too well, is also volatile and can change overnight. Now, you guys are both experts in L&D in the financial industry, so we're going to focus there. Where should companies be focused in terms of skills training, given the upheavals of the past year? And Dan, let's start with you. Hey, thank you, Jeremy. You know, it's truly been an um, interesting year at all levels. And I think inside of the financial services industry, we saw just a tremendous change in the way that employees are needing to do work. You can imagine a year and a half ago, the job that a relationship manager in a commercial bank or a teller inside of a retail bank uh, did their jobs was dramatically different than it is today. And in fact, when we think about the last year and the learning world and how we had to adapt to meet their needs as they were changing their jobs, there was tre- tremendous disruption and an upheaval in the, the way everybody worked. Like many companies and like our clients, we did a pretty dramatic shift in the way that we delivered learning. Some clients, we delivered literally tens of thousands of face-to-face courses every year. And in a period of a month, we shifted to a virtual world and had to really think about how we delivered learning and, and how we could be impactful around virtual training as an example. But it was more than that, right? Because as we went through that process, we both went through a change. We needed to be very resilient in a way uh, that we reacted to the changes in the industry. And we had to really put our our thinking caps on a bit about how we approached learning and what are the things that we could do to make the learner experience as as strong as possible. So it was really interesting to me because There's been a change in the learning industry slowly happening over the last five years. And as recently as two years ago or long ago as two years ago, we were talking about new skills that employees needed to develop around resilience, creativity, being agile. But last year, it it was like it all happened at once. And so the outcome of that is that we've really moved forward very quickly in some of the things that we're doing and and the way that that we're uh, working with our customers and the way that our customers are developing their employees. It's just been a, an amazing journey that uh, has led us to believe that this learning world will never go back to the way it was before. What's going to happen is face-to-face learning won't go away, but it will only be a small part of what happens. And the adaptation that we've made to virtual and the shift to learner journeys has accelerated. So everything that wraps around learning inside of the training world is different. And inside of financial services, that's particularly true. So it's interesting that what you said there, Dan, that a couple of years ago, we saw these as future skills. What 2020 has taught us that these are really important skills for now. So you mentioned resilience, for example, that ability to be able to adapt quickly, be open to change and and have a purpose and have values that inform the decisions we make. It's so important right now because things are changing so quickly. People are being made redundant, their roles are being made redundant, and they're having to very quickly adapt their skills to new roles. Um, And that resilience is really important. The same as growth 
growth mindset as well. That's something that we focused on quite heavily in terms of making people think about how they think that it's not a case of I can't do that and I'll never be able to do that. It's a case of I can't do that yet or I don't know that yet, but I know that I have it in me to be able to do that if I apply myself and I learn the right skills. So these things have become really prevalent. You also mentioned as well creativity. So people being able to work together really well to come up with divergent ideas, create new and innovative solutions. And I think what we're seeing in the financial industry is that ability to be able to take creative risks. We know obviously that the financial industry is very risk averse, but they've started to become more open to people taking creative risks and trying new ideas and concepts, really to stay up, um, stay in line with what's going on in, in fintech and, and all of these new technological advances. So I'd say those things are really key as well in terms of the skills that people need to make their way through this ever-changing world. Yeah, it's really interesting. It, w it would seem like these skills and mindsets, creativity and resilience and so on, would be applicable in any industry. But Dan, do you think that these are especially important in the financial industry? Yeah, absolutely. The financial industry operates in every part of the world and interacts with people. We think about financial services as uh, a money uh, operation or, or a investment operation or a commercial banking operation. But in reality, it's all about people. Right, it's, it's people that are walking to retail banks. It's people making investments, and they're working in this world that is changing. And I know we'll talk uh, about some other topics that relate to this in a little bit. But I think that inside of banking, the clients are changing just as rapidly as the bank is. The expectation that I'm going to go to a bank and interact uh, face to face on on everything I do is no longer true. We've all been at home for the last year. I'd say that 99% of my banking has occurred either on my tablet or on my mobile device, on my smart device. And that is just amazing when you think about it. We're doing everything transactionally through, through digital technologies. So the way that you respond as an employee is to understand how the world is changing around you and being able to adapt. Craig mentioned future skills while he was speaking, and I think about future skills in more of even than resilience and creativity, that agile piece is so important, right? Being able to adapt to the changes and to grow as an employee because your job's going to change. And it goes even beyond those topics because think about the technical area. There are employees that may have been with a bank for 30 years. In fact, it's not uncommon to find long-term employees in the bank that are in commercial banking or in retail banking or in wealth management that are still learning technology, people that are 40, 50, 60 years old, been with a customer or been with, with, with a bank or a financial institution for 30 years. They need to adapt. They need to learn about the new technologies. And even new employees coming in, while they're familiar with a smart device or able to wander around inside of social media platforms, they need to understand what's behind it. What is in that website? What's created there? How does it work? So there's new skills that, that banking employees are needing to develop. It's different than it was a few years ago because more people are engaged and workforce is becoming a little younger. When you approach it with, we're just addressing this piece of the audience, the, the, the 20 to 30 year old, you're missing the other piece of the audience, right? So you need to be very thoughtful around how you're developing employees. The world is just changing dramatically at every level. Yeah. And making sure they're prepared because the world is faster, the world is smaller. We're having to deal with a, a global business, different cultures coming together in the financial industry, especially we're looking at regulatory requirements that, that change very quickly. And like you said, Dan, 
the adoption of digitization no longer will, are, those, are those people who work for the banks in a place where the products are always going to stay the same. With the digitization of products, those products change as much as the updates on our phones change or the apps that they work in change. We're seeing a huge uptake in uh, sustainability at the moment and sustainable finance products. So it's a whole new thing that particularly relationship managers have to learn so that they can talk to their customers confidently who are also going through these changes as well and having to come closer and closer to a net zero future. So it's all of these skills and all of these mindsets that come together in, in this rapidly changing landscape. Yeah. And it, as, as we said before, the landscape changed even more rapidly over the past year. But it had already been changing, Dan. I think you made that point for several years, right, with digital technology. And for example, on this podcast, we've talked a lot before about the value of employees being able to learn in the flow of work and having access to information that enables them to, to do that, largely in, in digital form. Mm -hmm. How important is that in the financial industry in particular? And how has the pandemic affected the thinking of L&D professionals in finance around that type of just-in-time learning? So the financial industry, typically these big, huge global companies, they're big ships to turn around. They tend to be traditionalists and so too in their learning. But we've seen a real shift to, to address this changing need that's come really fast in the last year, particularly since the onset of the pandemic. It's really changed the way that the people think about learning, the learning professionals think about learning, and CEOs and senior executives think about learning. And the ship is definitely steering in the right direction. I think Dan mentioned earlier, it's it, before it was generally classroom or e-learning. Those were the two ways that people learned. Because these companies can no longer rely on, on the classroom experience, they've had to very quickly adapt to virtual learning in the first instance. But through that, we've been able to introduce much more complex learner journeys that include elements of virtual VILT, video, observation, simulation, and most importantly, resources that can be used in the flow of work. And this goes back to the speed of change as well. The learning has to move at the pace of the change in the industry. So new processes because of regulations, new products to cater for digital innovations, new products to cater for new directions such as sustainable finance. We no longer have the luxury of spending months and months developing complex learning programs. We need to be able to create content really quickly that resonates with learners that they can access really easily in the flow of work. So let's take the example of a relationship manager. So they might be going, preparing to go into a meeting with their customer and they need something that's going to remind them of the products that are going to help this customer, remind them of the processes that they need to go through that can help this customer. Maybe watch a quick video to give them hints and tips about things that the, the customer might found useful. In the traditional sense, that relationship manager would have gone through a very nice classroom experience where they went to have drinks with their colleagues in the evenings and did some nice networking and probably took away a workbook that they put in their bottom drawer for years and years. But now what we're finding is they need that information at the tip of their fingers in the same way that we do in the real world. If we need something quickly, I want to know how to open a coconut. I'm going to go onto Google and I'm going to watch a video and it's going to tell me in 30 seconds how to open a coconut. That's the same thing we find that people need in the flow of their work. I need something that's going to very easily and very quickly tell me what I need to do when I go and talk to this customer in 10 minutes time.
And Craig, I think that on top of that, we're also uh, seeing through that flow of work approach that coaching and mentoring are becoming much more important. It's been interesting to see that the shift of expecting to have a facilitator deliver the training is the way to do training. So now, not only are we providing new elements in the learner journey, whether it be interactive PDF or a process tool or a reference, that's your fingertips type of uh, relative relevant information, that we're seeing that it's very impactful to develop our leaders around coaching how to help their employees at the point of need and to develop them. So you're really expanding on the, as a leaders, as teachers environment to have more coaching, more mentoring as a part of the process of developing employees. And think about that from the perspective, of not only the relationship manager, but many jobs. If you're talking about new employees that that are going to be working in a retail branch, their ability to understand and evaluate a customer's needs, knowing their customer, the KYC type of programs, and being able to have that interaction with a new client that allows you to create a, a friendly relationship in an environment that's very compliant and risk adverse, uh, where you need to worry about credit and risk, you have to worry about fraud, you have to worry about money laundering, anti-bribery, all those type of things. But now you have to do it virtually. So the interactions and the development of those skills being done virtually means that you need to put some extra emphasis on those people once they're in the job. So the training isn't a, here, welcome to the company, here's your discovery or onboarding program, go to work. It's, here's your discovery program, let's get you knowledgeable on how to learn inside of the bank or inside of an insurance company, and we're going to continue to develop you as you work through your job and you're adapting to these skills. And do it quickly. Right, because in, it's, it is still true that there's a relatively high turnover rate in retail banking for tellers and for some of the newer bank employees, it tend to turn over. So we're needing to be smart and adapt to that as well. Mm. And I think that coaching mindset is so important because what it does is it puts it puts the the power into the hands of the learner of, of the person themselves because rather than just having a manager who's always going to tell them what they need to do the manager is now acting as coach and, and getting them to think about what they need to do which links into those skills of growth mindset and agility making them think about what they should be doing in this particular time and I think that's where we're going to see learning going in the future in the financial industry and in in general the world is that the there's going to be more focus on the learner so actually getting the learner to contribute to the learning itself whether that's user generated content whether that's curated content using learner experience platforms once we have that maturity i think uh, we can use the learners to really drive their own learning so we're no longer pushing the learning to them they're pulling the learning from us and maybe that's a future where we won't need lnd departments it's all about making things easy for the learners to get what they need when they need it indeed so now we've also seen urgent calls for equity and social justice over the past year in the wake of the death of George Floyd while in police custody and other incidents. Now, in the corporate world, this usually falls under the rubric of diversity and, and inclusion. So what role ought L&D leaders in the financial world play in making financial companies more diverse and inclusive and open to different points of view? Let me start with that. In terms of diversity, inclusion, equity, learning needs to be integrated into the strategy, but it's more than a learning program, it's participation. And I'll give you a couple of examples here. Um, I, I remember walking into an elevator, one of our client sites, and they would have a monitor, a video monitor that would be in, in their lift as you're going to work. 
And on the on that video one day, I saw a video that was a woman that we worked with, a, a gay woman inside of the bank, talking about diversity at the bank, inclusion in the bank, as we're riding up the lift. It really wasn't a training program. It was her sharing the importance of inclusion at the bank and, and talking about some of the culture and strategies that the bank has around diversity and inclusion. So it was a sharing of a personal moment, personal experience by this individual. That wasn't, wasn't a training program. So it was participating in learning and development and culture inside of the organization, very culture oriented. So I think participation and support of diversity and inclusion happens in a lot of ways. The second one I really wish um, everyone could do a better job of is demonstrating diversity, inclusion, and equity in your own organizations inside of learning. Us as a learning provider, we've recently named a head of uh, diversity, equity, inclusion inside of our company because we can do a better job. We're asking our employees how we're doing and we're looking at our organization. We've been operating in this world, maybe not paying enough attention to the things that are important to our employees and to the organization and to the world around us. So we need to, as a learning organization, learning provider demonstrate and walk the talk, right? Where we can't just be somebody out there saying, hey, this is important. Everybody says it's important, so it's important. So I think that as a provider and as a learning organization, if, if we are walking the talk and we are demonstrating through our actions that diversity, inclusion, and equity are important to us, uh, that will help our employees and the organization that we're a part of, whether it's a learning company, a provider, a transformation company like GP Strategies, or if it's a bank financial institution and you're part of a learning organization internally, you can make some big changes. To If you make changes yourself, you can drive changes as in your partner organizations. Yeah, it's such a huge, it's a huge thing that's coming up. And it's, I think traditionally in L&D, maybe it's been, diversity has been about having diverse representation in pictures and videos. And obviously it's so much more than that. In fact, one of the biggest global financial institutions has put diversity into its purpose, strategy and values. As one of its values, we value difference by seeking out different perspectives, listening, being empathetic and championing inclusivity. So it just shows how deep it goes in these organizations. And I think sometimes when you're in, say, a learning project or a design project, particularly for a global company, you maybe lose sight of that. I've worked on a global project with a UK team where all of my stakeholders are in the UK. We create something, we pilot it, and then we wonder why it doesn't work, why it doesn't resonate with an audience in, in China or in India. And it's because their voice wasn't heard in the creation of that program. So what's really what's really important is that we have representation from different cultures, from different backgrounds, from different ethnicities, from different genders, all coming to the table and giving that diversity of thought into everything that we're doing. It's also about being aware of our biases, our unconscious biases. We all have biases. It's really important that we're able to check those and it's checking them in the way that we interact with other people. But it's also checking checking those biases in, in our processes, in our, our ways of working. So a, a big focus in the financial industry and as in other industries is a focus on the impact of bias in the hiring and selection pro process. It's about having diverse teams and that's particularly resonant in learning and development. So you have that diversity of thought, that inclusion all the way through the project. And it's also as financial institutions develop more sophisticated technology, including artificial intelligence and, and decision models, 
that our biases can come through in those artificial intelligence and, and decision models as people program them into them. And that's a really interesting aspect that you don't always think about when you talk about diversity and inclusion. So yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge thing. And I think it's something, as Dan very rightly mentions, it's something that every company should be paying attention to and making sure that there is diversity of thought, diversity of, of people, diversity in teams and inclusion all the way through. And I think, Craig, one of the things that we can do is in parts of learning and the way we design our programs is consideration of who's in the training and what type of cohorts we develop. A very valuable lesson for me when I completed my master's degree a little bit later in life in, in my 40s, I was part of a cohort at Anderson University in Indiana. And so it was an executive MBA program. And this cohort had roughly 15, 18 people in there somewhere around that. And like most people, I wanted to get my MBA because it would help my career and help me better performance employee. I, I, I was really, I really looked forward to it. It took me a long time to get to it. But I think what was great about the experience I had was that they set up cohorts and I, it may have been intentional, but I didn't know it at the time, but our cohort was very diverse. So had people that were just out of, just had just graduated from their, from their bachelor's degree. We had people that were in their forties. We had people that were in their sixties. We had people from different ethical backgrounds. It was very really an interesting group. And as we worked through uh, the program over the course of of a, of a couple of years, I really got to know people. And I can't um, overstate the appreciation I have for the cohort that I was in, because in some aspects, I was like one of the senior people and taking that role of leadership inside of the class. But that shifted over time. It wasn't just me. It was us. And I learned as much from 25 and 30 year olds and people of different backgrounds in that program than I, as I did from the instructor. Or, and, and I know they learned from me as well. It was a great experience. And for me, it really opened my eyes to the fact that we needed to be really open to thoughts and ideas from all people that are part of the organization. It was such a great experience for me. And that experience with that cohort of people was just as valuable in every way as the learnings I had formerly through the program. It was, a, it was just a fantastic growth experience for myself personally. And I take that back to this conversation and think, but one of the things that we can do is being thoughtful about how we create our groups of learners. And when we're scheduling, if we're, if we're able to make our classrooms and cohorts of learners diverse, it will help them. It will help them. Absolutely. And you remind me about things that our senior executives are doing in terms of reverse mentoring, so that they hear the voice of the real person, the person who's on the shop floor and the pain that they have and the experiences that they have. And that's really important and really vital for those senior executives and actually all management to hear. Indeed. So, Dan, Craig, we've covered a lot of ground of several different related topics. So let's try to sum things up and leave our listeners with a final thought. So, Dan, let's start with you. What's the main thing you want listeners to take away from our discussion? I think that with if you're involved in learning as a learning professional, you need to be as resilient, growth mindset oriented, uh, creative and agile as you're expecting the people to be. So living the approach helps you share the approach and to share and expand the capabilities of our people. We're going to continue to change at a rapid pace. The, the pace of change and disruption has always been becoming faster and faster in the world. And Craig had a very uh, good point earlier today around the fact that the world is much smaller and we're connecting with more parts of the world and more people. My closing would be be open, embrace change. And through that and by making yourself 
practice the skills uh, that we want our employees and our employees need to have, uh, we can be successful. Okay, thanks for that. Craig, your closing thoughts. I think what 2020 has taught us is that we don't necessarily know what's around the corner, not just with the pandemic, but environmentally, politically. Look at all the things that have happened in the last year. So for me, it all comes down to the human being. Don't think about them as users. Don't think about them as learners. Don't think about them as people using an end product. It's think about them as humans. Think about them as people. Empathize with them. Listen to them. Work with them. And I think we'll be on the right track. Okay. Great. Dan Craig, thanks to you both for uh, a really engaging discussion. Thank you. Thanks. Really enjoyed thanks, it. Thanks, Jeremy. It was nice, nice to spend some time with you today. The Performance Matters Podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts and listen on our website at gpstrategies.com slash podcasts.